0: I raised my daughter in the church, but when she got married, uh, she kind of stopped going as she became busy. So now she has four years old daughter, but says when she is older she can choose her own religion. What do I do? I want to stop uh, at the word I raised my daughter in the church. Many parents, of course, I don't know who read, wrote the question, so I'm not speaking about, about you, but I'm speaking in general. Many parents think and believe, if they take their children every Sunday to the church, and let them attend the liturgy, not necessarily inside the church, maybe most of the time they are playing outside, and then they put them in Sunday school class, without following up with them. And after this Sunday, the relationship with God is completely disconnected until the following Sunday. And then they say, I raised my son or my daughter in the church. Why he is very far from God? Raising your son or daughter in the church means many, many things. means in the house. You need actually to pray together, to fast together, to read the scripture together, to plant in them the virtues, the Christian virtues, the Christian teaching. This is the responsibility of the parents. He spent two or three hours every day, every week in the church, then the rest of the week between school and between the social media and all the gadgets, and with the parents. And sometimes parents are very, very busy. That's why when the children become teenager, you will be surprised if this is not my product. This is different totally different from what I planned for my son or my daughter to be. So here actually I want to give an instruction to the parents who have little children, you need to plant in them the Christian teaching, the Christian uh, virtue. You need to connect them with God, to make their children are connected with God. And you need actually to be good example to them. You need to be role model. Children should see you praying. Children should see you opening your scripture and reading in it. Children should the, uh, see the Christian virtues in you otherwise they will drift away but what about what you're gonna do with your daughter here I, I think you can ask her, her daughter are you gonna vaccine your daughter uh, y- y- her daughter the your grand uh, daughter uh, why don't you say I will wait until my infant grow and decide to herself whether she's gonna take all the vaccination or not. Ask your daughter, are you gonna send her daughter to the school? Why she doesn't wait until her daughter grow up and decide maybe she, she want to be illiterate. She doesn't want to, to learn why are you are sending your daughter to the church, to the school. So in, in, in the childhood of our children, we make so many decisions for them because we know these decisions are in their best interest. That's why we send them to school, that's why we give them vaccination, that's why we feed them well, etc. We don't say, no, I'm not going to send my children to school until they grow up. I'm not going to uh, give them the vaccination until uh, grow up and, and decide for themselves. Especially, why, but When it comes to the religion, we say no. I will wait until my daughter uh, grow up and decide and choose her own religion. You know why? Because the parents are not convinced that Christ is the only way to the Father and to Heaven. If actually their parents believe that Christ is the only way to to the Father and the only way to uh, Heaven, then they they will fight to teach their children Christianity. So, that's another discussion with your daughter about her belief system. Does she believe that Christ is the only true way to life? The Lord said, I am the way, the truth, and life. What does it mean, I am the way, the truth, and the life? He is the only true way to eternal life. Only true way to eternal life. And I want here to emphasize what I mentioned yesterday. To spend the eternity in hell, that's very, very, very painful. <laughs> you need to think a thousand times because before taking this risk. And say this to your daughter: you need actually to think a thousand times before risking your eternal salvation there is only one way no other way only one way to eternal life only true way that's Jesus Christ so you need actually to have a discussion with your daughter about her own salvation and another discussion about the choices she is making regarding her daughter and may the Lord give you grace to be able to speak to her and convince her to walk in the right way. Uh, do we consider homosexuality a sin if someone experienced uh, things like childhood trauma or other predispositions out as, as out of the individual's control? Uh, let me give you an example. If parents taught their child to, to lie, so the child here learned to lie but once he is grown up and he knows lying is a sin, if he continue to lie then it will be considered sin because he chose this by uh, he, he by by himself, in the same way if somebody a child was exposed to trauma and now he is attacked with all his thoughts of homosexuality. Uh, when he realized and have discernment and no homosexuality is sin, if he accepted homosexuality and defended homosexuality not to be and defend it as a normal and alternative lifestyle, this is the sin. But struggling with homosexuality in itself is not sin, as long as I am struggling against it, as a person struggling with anger, as a person struggling with uh, lying, person struggling with uh, cursing. All of us, we are struggling with so many sins. Nobody is perfect. But when we say it is sin, If the person is accepting, defending, and considering homosexuality as an alternative lifestyle. I never said if somebody is struggling with homosexuality, he is a sinful man and uh, will not be saved. I never said this. But I said all of us, we need to struggle with our weaknesses whether it is homosexuality, whether it is uh, uh, sexual immorality, whether it is um, lying, whether it is cursing, uh, judging, anger. As long as I'm struggling, I'm rejecting this, I'm seeking the right way to repent, then it will not be considered sin against him. Uh, How is it not agnostic of us? Uh, when we say that God allows bad things to happen because he is not a controller. Is our orthodox faith justified when we say his involvement is to remain uninvolved? I don't know who told you that we say this. Uh, Why bad things happen to good people? Uh, Let me answer why bad things happen in the world. In general. There are six reasons why bad things happen. Number one, because my own personal mistake, so for example if I'm driving carelessly, I will get into a car accident, so here I am reaping the fruit of my mistake, driving carelessly. Number two, because we are living in a corrupted world, since the fall of Adam and Eve, the world was corrupted when the Lord said, "Cursed be the the earth and that's why there are hurricanes, there are earthquakes innocent children are born with congenital anomalies, etc. that's part of the corruption of the world number three, because of the attacks of the devil devil is attacking especially the children of God. Devil even tempted the Lord Jesus Christ and he's attacking all of us. So these three things uh, either because of my personal sins or corruption of the world or uh, attacks of the devil are not from God. Number four, five, six are from God. Number four, discipline from the Lord. Discipline means what? Like if your son or daughter has many toys and they are asking for another toy, you may tell them no because you don't want to spoil your son or your daughter. Your son will be angry, will be upset, but you are doing this for his own benefit. Your son feels that uh, he is suffering because he didn't get the toy that he wants but you are doing this for his best interest. Many times God does things for our best interest and we, we don't like it, but at the end we'll discover it's for our best interest. Uh, punishment. Uh, let me go back to the example of the driving. If I'm driving carelessly and then I got into car accident and my car was totally lost then the cop will come and give me a ticket. So here, two things happened to me. I lost my car and I got citation from the cop. Citation, it's a lesson for me in order to learn how to drive carefully in the future and to be careful. So sometimes when I do something wrong, so I read the natural consequence of what I did wrong and God may give me a ticket. God may give me discipline or punishment and the purpose of this actually to uh, for my betterment to learn a lesson Number six, what we call a test of faith like when God tested the faith of Abraham or God tested the faith of the uh, widow at Seraphat Saida when he sent her Elijah Here on the earth, teachers testing the people in order to evaluate them But God actually knows us, so He doesn't test us to evaluate us. God already knows. But the testing of faith, the person will benefit from it. For example, Abraham benefited. He even built an altar to the Lord and called it Jehovah uh, Yara, which means God provides. He learned it from this test of faith experience. Also, the widow at Seraphat Saida, she learned experience about God, how God provided oil and flour during the time of famine because she was generous with Elijah so when God actually wants to promote me spiritually He allows me to go into test of faith that I can actually be promoted spiritually so when that things happen I need actually to see what is the reason it will be one of these six reasons sometimes more than one in order to decide about my reaction, if it is my personal mistakes, I need to repent. If it is uh, corruption of the world, I need to persevere. If it is attacks of Satan, I need to put the whole armor of God, Ephesians chapter six. If it's a discipline from the Lord or punishment, I need to accept, as St. Paul said in Hebrews, if you don't accept the discipline, you are illegitimate children. If it is test of faith, I need to offer obedience, but who said God is not involved? Who said God is not in control? We call him Pantocrator, which means controller of all. God is controlling every single thing in our life. Uh, Controlling in, 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 in a good way, not like when we say he's manipulative controller or aggressive controller, but everything actually on earth. Follow the rules and the law that God set and this is at the end for the best interest of humanity. We cannot say no. God is not in control or God's not involved. We, we, we never told this. Uh, God, Pantocrator. We say it in every. Sometimes they they translated Almighty, but Almighty is not the accurate translation for Pantocrator. Almighty means all might, but Pantocrator means he controls. He's in control of everything. So. Our God is in control of everything and involved Who said God is not involved in our life? واحد بيقول السيد المسيح لم يكن ابتي ولا كاتوليكي ولا بروتستانتي لماذا التفرقة والطائفية التي دمرت وحدة الكنيسة أليس الله قادر أن يوحد إيمان الكنيسة بمعجزة من عنده وخصوصا هذه الرغبة هي مشتهام وبعدين حطت آية مسرعين إلى حفظ وحدنية الروح برباط الصلح الكامل لكي تكونوا جسدا واحدا وروحا واحدا كما تعيتم في رجاء دعوتكم الواحد رب واحد ايمان واحد معمودية واحد انا مستعجب ان انت حطت الآية ديا مع السؤال ده لان الآية اللي انت اخترتها بترد على السؤال بتاعك شوف حبيب كان اول ما السيد المسيح صعد للسماء والتلاميذ ابتدوا يبشروا بالسيد المسيح حتى اسم المسيحيه ان انا اقول ان انا مسيح ما كانش موجود لما تقرا في سفر الاعمال كانوا اتباع المسيح احيانا نسموهم التلاميذ احيانا يسموهم الطريق احيانا نسموهم شيعة سكت هتلاقي الكلام الاكسبريشن دي موجود في سفر الاعمال لغاية لما في أنطاكيا أحب أن هما يعني لو اسم كده يشرح هم مين فقالوا هم التلاميذ دول، تلاميذ مين تلاميذ السيد المسيح يبقى نسمي التلاميذ بتوع السيد المسيح نسميهم مسيحيين دي تراه في سكر الأعمال عمالي يقولك ودعي التلاميذ اولا المسيحيين في أنطاكيا فأول ما التسمية دي ابتدت في أنطاكيا وابتدت تنتشر بأي واحد في العالم يؤمن بالمسيح بيسموه مسيح بدل ما يقوله التلاميذ ولا الطريق يسموه مسيح كل العالم بقى في الشرق والغرب كنسون مسيحيين لغاية 451 451 حصل مجمع خلق دنيا وحصل الانقسام بخصوص طبيعة السيد المسيح ففي ناس أمنت بخلق دنيا وناس رفضت خلق دنيا. فابتدوا علشان يفرقوا بين المجموعتين يقولوا ده خلقدوني وده غير خلقدوني بس اسم كبير يعني خلقدوني غير خلقدوني وليه الواحد مش فاهم ايه اللي حصل في خلقدونيا مش فهم يعني, خلق يعني ايه لما اقول قدوني يعني ايه ولما اقول ده غير خلقدوني يعني المهم الغير خلقدونيين دولت استمروا ما حصلش فيهم اي انقسامات ثانيه الخلقدونيين حصل انقسام تاني في سنه في قرقر 11 ألف اتنين وخمسين حولين انبساق الروح القدس هل الروح القدس منبسط من الأب ولا من الأب والاب؟ فحصل انقسام تاني بينهم فابتدى في خلق يؤمنوا بانبساق الروح القدس من الأب فقط وخلق يؤمنوا بانبساق الروح القدس من الأب والاب فبي في ثلاث مجموعات طب أنت هتعمل هتسمي الناس دي إيه؟ هتقعد تقول ان دولت خلقيدوني يؤمن بانبثاق الروح القدس من الاب والابن خلقيدوني يؤمن بانبثاق الروح القدس من الاب فقط فاللي بيؤمنوا بانبثاق الروح القدس من الاب والاب لان كانوا في روما دولت بقوا ذا كاثوليك اختاروا نفسهم اسم الكنيسه الجامعة كاث الناس اللي هم الخلقيدونيين يؤمنوا بانبثاق الروح القدس سموا نفسهم ارثوذوكس بس والغير خالد خدين أورثو دوكس بس عشان يفرقوا بين المجموعتين لأن هنا في اختلاف على أن المسيح سموا دولت أورينتال أورثو دوكس شرقيين القدماء ودولت إيستر نورثو دوكس تسميات دي زي ما أنت عندك ثلاثة أولاد بسموا واحد جيرجس واحد بطرس واحد مارس مجرد تسميات عشان تميز بين الثلاث أولاد دول بعد كده لترؤن لما انفصلت كنيسة إنجلترا من الكاثوليك بي طلع منهم الانجليكان والانجليكان لما جم هنا امريكا سموا نفسهم ابيسكوبل وبعدين لما انقسمت من خرج مارتن لوثر من الكاثوليك كانوا معترضين على الكاثوليك فكلمه يعترض بروتست فسموا نفسهم بروتستانت ومن البروتستانت بقى طلع مجموعات كتيره البابتست والمش عارف والميثودست الى اخره طوائف كتيره زي ما سيدنا قال الف طائفه يعني رقم كده يخط ف ف التفرقه ديا الناس اللي خرجت من جسم الكنيسه هم اللي خرجوا يعني التعليم السليم اللي سلمه لنا ربنا في ناس خرجت منه في ناس خرجت منه في تطرفين تطرف كاثوليكي وتطرف بروتستانتي يعني اللي هتلاقي الكنيسه الأفسدوكسية وضع متوسط ما بين تطرفين تطرف كاثوليك وتطرف بروسطانتي يعني هديك بس مثال واحد علشان اشرح الحته دي يعني الكنيسة الارثوذكسية الارثوذكسية في ايمانها السليم تكرم السيدة العزراء ولكن لا تؤلهها وتقول انها ولدت بالخطيئة الاصلية ومحتاجة خلاص زينا جوم الكاثوليك حصل تطرف لما. برناديت شافت الرؤية وصهرت لها العادرة وقالت لها أيام ذا إماكليت كونسبشن. بقى الكاتوليكي من الرؤية دي وطلعوا عقيدة الإماكليت كونسبشن. البروتستانت لما اعترضوا البروتستانت اعترضوا على الكاتوليكي مش على أورزوزوكس باي ذا وين. يعني كلمة ريفورميشن الإصلاح كانوا عايزين يصلحوا كنيسة الكاثوليكية. بس ما بدأ يخدو التطرف ده. للوسط اللي هو حيث الكنيسه الارثوذكسيه خدوتو ادر اكستريم قالوا العذره دي زي قشره بيض احنا خدنا الجنين منها وهي ملهاش قيمه خدوا بالكم اي عقيده لم تعد تدري الكهنوت مثلا احنا الكهنوت ده موجود في الكتاب المقدس الكاثوليك بالغوا في الكهنوت عصمه البابا وان البابا هو راس الكنيسه جوم البرستانت رفضوا الكهنوت ادرس اي عقيدة هتلاقي كنيسة الارثوذكسية في وضع متوسط ما بين تطرفين حكاية ان ربنا ممكن يوحد الكنيسة بمعاجزة ربنا الايمان ده لا اختيارك انت لابد انت تختار انك تؤمن به عشان يقولها كذا حب الله العالم حتى بازل ابنه الوحيد لكي لا يهلك كل من يؤمن به فاختيارك ربنا مش هيكبر واحد غزبا عنه انه يؤمن بالايمان السليم ده اختيارك انت فحكايه ربنا هيعمل معجزه عشان يخلينا كلنا واحد لا اختيارنا طيب بولس الرسول قال كده انبشرناكم نحن او ملاك من السماء بغير ما بشرناكم فلكن محرومة يعني الكلام ده في كتاب المقدس يعني احنا ما بنجيبش حاجه من بره ده يوحنا رسول المحبه يوحنا رسول المحبه قال لو جالكم واحد بتعليم غريب لا تسلموا عليه ولا تقبلوا في البيت لأن من يسلم عليه مجرد سلم عليه يشترك في أعماله الشريرة عايزي أكثر من كده الآية اللي انت حطتها وبتقول مسرعين إلى حفظ الروح برباط الصلح الكامل لكي تكونوا جسد واحدا وروحا واحدا كما دعيتم يعني ربنا دعانا في رجاء دعوتكم الواحد رب واحد إيمان واحد معمودية واحد طب هل احنا ايمان واحد يعني مثلا الكاثوليك اللي بيؤمنوا ان الروح القدس منبثق من الاب والابن واحنا اللي بنؤمن ان الروح القدس منبثق من الاب فقط كما ذكر في يوحنا 15 هل ده ايمان واحد لا مش ايمان واحد هل البرستانت الذين لا يؤمنوا بالتحول في جسد الرب ودمه واحنا الذين نؤمن بضروره التحول وحتميه التحول الاسري هل ايمان واحد مش ايمان واحد هل دي نقطة تفهة؟ لا دي نقطة جوهرية مش نقطة تفهة يعني اختلافات ما بين الطوائف دي اختلافات جوهرية وإلا أبقنا سفج ودمهم ليه؟ أبقنا دفع عن الإيمان ليه؟ فنحن نيجي نقول لا للتفريقة والطقفية التي دمرت وحدة الكنيسة اللي دمر وحدة الكنيسة هم الذين قبلوا التعليم الغريب مش اللي بيدفعوا عن التعليم الذين تاني اللي دمروا وحدة الكنيسة كل من انحرف عن التعليم السليم لا تتهم من يدافع عن التعليم السليم بانه هو ده اللي ضمر وحده الكنيسه لا كل واحد يتبنى تعليم غريب هو ده اللي بيدمر وحده الكنيسه المسيح لما ظهر وقال له اريوس مزق ثيابي ما قالوش اسناس مسق ثيابي قال له اريوس مزق ثيابي فمش عارف ليه الاتهام للذين يدافعون عن الإيمان السليم إن عندهم تفرقة وطائفية وعدم محبة كل دي فورس اكيوزيشن يعني العجيب إن انت آية إيمان واحد وعملية واحد يعني حطت آية بتنفي كل الالتهام اللي انت موجهه للكنيسة طبعا كلنا بنصلي من أجل وحدانية الكنيسة عشان كده من أيام قدست البابا كيريلوس ابتدى حوار لهوتي ما بين الطوائف واستمر في ايام البابا شنودة وفي ايام البابا توادرس علشان نقدر نوصل لوحدانية وحدانية الإيمان تسبق أي شيء لما يكون فعلا إيمان واحد ومعمودية واحدة هنا كل حاجة هتبقى سليمة نرجع للإيمان الرسولي الإيمان المسلم مرة للقدّيسين، زي ما سيدنا أبا ديفيد في أول ليلة الإيمان بالألف واللام يعني هو في إيمان واحد مش إيمان تاني الإيمان المسلم مرة للقدّيسين. في سؤال بيقول How to choose a marriage partner uh, Choosing uh, your spouse is one of the very important decisions in your life because if you choose a different career and then you want to change your career, it is easy. If you live in one state and want to change it, it's easy. If you work in one job and want to change it, it's easy. But for marriage, actually, if you make a wrong decision, changing this wrong decision actually will destroy many people. will destroy you, will destroy your spouse, you will destroy your children etc. That's why it is one of the very very important decisions to choose the right person Right person means a person who uh, has a fear of God and you can love and accept this person the rest of your life Uh, For example, the best example in, in, in marriage, I'm speaking about marriage only in the scripture, is uh, Ruth and Boaz Uh, both of them actually were righteous and godly people Uh, Ruth looked for a righteous man and Boaz looked for a righteous woman and that's why this marriage was blessed how it was blessed, from their seed the Lord Jesus Christ came so you need to choose a person righteous godly has a fear of God but there are things if you find it in your uh, future spouse it is no no you should not actually think about it again so i I will tell you seven things if you find them in your uh, future spouse you need actually not to follow your emotions but to follow your mind and the Spirit of God. And again, a very important point here, don't make a decision based on emotions in marriage. Emotion will disappear after marriage. But make your decision based on your mind and on the inspiration or direction of the Spirit of God. Simpson made three uh, mistakes in choosing (coughs) his wife. He chose one not from his religion. Number two, he did not listen to the advice of his parents. Number three, he followed his emotions. He said she pleases me well. And unfortunately I see now many many youth making the three mistakes of Samson. They follow their emotions. She pleases me well. Don't listen to advice from parents or from uh, church and number three uh, sometimes they choose people not from their faith so what are the things if you find them you should actually say no number one, pathological liar I, I'm under pathological I put 10 lines pathological liars means you cannot trust him or you cannot trust her they, they lie all the time and they cover a lie with a lie, lie, a lie with a lie. You cannot live with a person like this. Number two, if a person has uh, promiscuous relationships, many many relationships without repentance. I mean, without repentance means marriage will be for him another relationship. For example, if he knew ten girls before, fifteen girls before. Marriage will be girl number 16, and as he broke up with these 15 girls, he will break up with this marriage. Divorce will be easy. So, of course, anyone who repented from this list, but we need to be sure that he repented. But I'm speaking about a person who does not repent, and that is his history. Number three, violence. Violence. Uh, we hear about problems in, in families because domestic violence. A person who cannot control his anger, and when he's angry, he yells, screams, hits. You don't want to live with a person who has problems with violence and cannot manage his anger. Number four, a controller. A controller can be aggressive controller or manipulative controller. Manipulative controller makes you feel guilty all the time in order to control you. Aggressive, by aggression he scares you and you will submit uh, because of fear of his aggression. You don't want to marry a person who is a controller, either aggressive controller or manipulative controller. Number uh, five, unhealthy attachment with the family of origin. We need to honor our parents, definitely we need to honor them, but there is healthy attachment and there is unhealthy attachment Unhealthy attachment can be a big challenge to a successful marriage If if you see a person, every decision goes to his mom or his dad and they are controlling him, you don't want to marry a person like this This will create a lot of problems with the in-laws Number uh, 6 Unreasonable person. When you have a discussion, there is no reason. I, I, just give me an example. We have a small community, a city that has only two families. Two families. And they want to have a permanent priest with them. So I start to speak I, I, how can I ordain a priest for two families? I, I, what he's going to do? And, and how can you afford the expenses of the church? So his response to me was, uh, can you tell me who provided health insurance for St. Paul? Once I heard this, I felt i in discussion was unreasonable first. So I ended the discussion and, and that's it. You, you don't need actually to marry a person who's unreasonable. You cannot hold a you cannot reach a conclusion at the end. And the last point, you don't wanna marry a person who is stingy. Uh, this actually make your life very, very difficult. So these are some points uh, you need to be careful in choosing your spouse. Uh, these seven things, if you find them, it is known. it is known. Uh, uh, at the end. There are many questions here about uh, how 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 we deal with. Uh, do we allow our children? to mingle and and to be around uh, homosexuals or not. I I want to classify the the homosexual or LGBTQ into three groups. One group, non-believer, non-believer. Second group, they are believers, but they defend homosexuality as alternative lifestyle. And they say it's normal, nothing wrong with it. Number three, people who struggle with homosexuality, but they notice sin and they fight against it. Why I'm classifying this? St. Paul actually made this classification in First uh, Corinthians chapter 5. In verse 9 he said, I wrote to you in, the, in my epistle, not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. A brother means a believer. When you read the word brother, he means a believer who is sexually immoral, or covetous, or idolaters or reviler, or drunkard, or extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I, I to do with judging those who also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside, but those who are outside, God judges, therefore put away from yourselves the evil person." So, in Quran there, there was a man who committed sexual immorality. And he was a brother, he was a believer. St. Paul told them, don't communicate with this person. Why? And that's the, the actual meaning of excommunication. In the past, excommunication means no communication. Now excommunication means you cannot take communion only. But in the past, excommunication means no communication with this person, even not to eat or drink. Why? In order actually to bring him to repentance. So, if a person who is a believer and living a sinful life, without repentance and he is justifying his sin and defending his sin Saint Paul says, don't mingle with this person But this man of Corinth, actually when he repented, Saint Paul in the second letter, he told them, show him love lest he is swallowed from the sorrow. So once he repented, St. Paul ordered them, instructed them to show him love. So here I'm speaking about the believers. If a person insisting and defending any sin, any sin, we need actually not to mingle with this person. If a person repented and living life of repentance, all of us who are sinners, and all of us who are living the life of repentance, St. Paul said, you need actually to support one another and encourage one another. But those who are not not believers, uh, if, if I have to be with them in work or in school, St. Paul said, it's not our responsibility to judge those who are outside the church, uh, not believers, not in the body of Christ. What about the person who is a believer but not repentant. The canons and the teaching of the apostles said, this person should be entrusted with a spiritual father who actually lead him to repentance. So the excommunication here doesn't mean we leave this person uh, uh, to perish. No, it doesn't mean this. But if somebody is drowning, (laughs) I need to, Send him someone who knows how to swim, and how to rescue him. If I send someone who doesn't know how to swim, this person will drown with him. And this based on the teaching of St. Paul in Galatians chapter 6. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, not anybody, you who are spiritual, restore such one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. So, these people who are non-repentant, the church has respons- responsibility toward them to through spiritual fathers, through uh, Sanskrit servants, to go visit them, uh, try to help them to repent and to restore such a person. And when we are doing this, we do it in a spirit of gentleness, non-spirit of condemnation and judgment, and considering ourselves lest also We beat them.